Okay, Lisa Hunt, I'm very excited about this episode, and I say it as if I'm, I wasn't in the previous ones. <laughs> I have a thought that percolated in the brain. That's where the thoughts are. If someone said to you, I just had a great group, what do we actually mean? What do we actually mean when we say a group is great? I was just talking with Anne Louise about this in the office yesterday. And I give credit to Josie Martin for making that question, sort of putting that question on my radar. We were at a dinner with other folks who had been in the field and and a colleague of ours said, oh, we had a great group today. And she sort of paused and said, well, what do you mean by that? What does that actually mean? I actually don't have an answer to your question, but I just have some like context and narrative around it. So when I asked Anne Louise in the office the other day, I said, hey, how was your time up with, I think it was Fuller School on the course today. And her response was all about, well, I made this choice and it had this effect. So she was very focused on like what she brought to it versus like, well, the kids were this and the students were this. And I reflected that back to her. And that's a very thing I'm used to with Anne Louise is sort of sharing about like what were her choices and what was the impact on the group. In full transparency, I suspect when I say I had a great group, I probably mean, and I know that this is going to be public, it means I think they liked me. I think they liked what I offered to them. And I think they had a good time and nobody gave me any trouble. And I don't, I, I don't, I'm not proud of that. That should not be a criteria. But I think at its core, from my ego, that's probably one of my like my first criteria. What do you think? We ask the question of each other all the time. This question, how was your group today? How was your group today? That comes up all the time. If I, When I come home, my wife says, how was your group today? In fact, I have a text from Chris who was asking, I had a level two group just recently. I just did a level two training. And he said, how was the group? And my response was, it's a great group. Yeah. So what did you mean by that? It's a great group if they didn't cause me any trouble. It's a great group if I had a lot of fun and it's a great group if I laughed a lot and it's a great group if everything I taught them, they received really well and it's a great group if at the end of it, they said, thank you, Phil, that was great. (laughs) I think it's important for this industry for us to have that as a definition, at least for our own energy. Because if we did, if we did keep having j- groups that challenged us, that from a different analysis would be considered great, I don't think we could keep doing this job. It would exhaust us. Yes, I don't. I think maybe I was over apologetic because I almost I wish that I was like more evolved and I could be like, I'm taking my ego entirely out of this, and I just don't think that's possible. Like it's just not how humans are designed. Like of course I'm going to say, I'm going to feel better about my work if I'm getting a positive response from my participants. But let me ask you the the inverse, Phil, if you had gone home and said, I had a really tough group today, what would be the hallmarks of that? Pretty much all the counter of the previous stuff. And I, I But I also think like the main critical piece was I had to work hard. It, it led me to being tired for, let's say, unpredictable circumstances. They're not receptive to the information. There's someone who's combative and uh, asking loads of questions, which normally I'm fine with. But like, there's a concept that I hear a lot of people say in this industry around like, it's about the group. It's not about yourself or like, 
you know, the non-participating kind of mindset of like, really, it's all about them. It's all about them. Someone said something is a, it's a compliment in the last training. And they said that the training felt both uh, educational, but also human. And they were referencing the human part to it being like, because a big part of what I was trying to do was like normalize mistake making. And I like talked about things I'd done wrong. And I felt like that was an important thing. And the fact that they then said that afterwards and said that a part that they enjoyed was that we all felt like we we were equal. There was a human quality. There's not this like hierarchy feeling. I'm very goofy when I train. I can't, I don't know how to be with a group and not try not laugh or make jokes. And I'm making the jokes partly for myself. And it's like, cause it helps me alleviates my tension and my anxiety. But I do think it adds to the group, but in the same way that someone who doesn't, but brings their own personality, it adds to the group in a different way. If we take ourselves out of the situation and don't make it also a bit about us, then I don't know how we serve the population we work with. We can't be this like wall up, like I'm not going to participate. And also I have to be like, it's not about me. It's not about me. I think it's okay for it to be about us. <laughs> that could go in so many different directions because what about sort of how do we evaluate the success of the program to go back to your original question, I think that's where we sometimes make it more about us than it needs to be. For example, I've been with you doing workshops where we do the activity, for example, mimeograph. You or other facilitated, not just you, but you can make it to a point where it's very, very difficult to solve and, and groups get angry with you. I've seen groups get angry with you, one in particular that you and I are both thinking of. And that's the opposite of making it about you because it's a risk. We've talked about this on another episode, I feel like, where I think like, what what do I need to do in service of the goals? I think to me, that's an example of it's not about me at this moment. And people might not leave feeling like warm, fuzzy feelings about Lisa Hunt, but they have moved closer to their goals. I think that's appropriate. But what you're talking about, I think, is something different. You're talking about just sort of what's my humanity as a facilitator. Of course, that needs to be front and center. If it weren't, the group wouldn't be learning as much as they could from you. There's a big difference between making the agenda more about you in that you're making things easy or you're giving them like, given the task, making an easy task so that there's no conflict. And so there's no challenge for you as the facilitator and for them as the participants. And you're, and maybe you also know where it's going to go. Like it's a predictable outcome versus adding yourself to the mix and making your, your experience fun for you by adding your own authenticity into it. That those are almost two different things, but, but they both contribute to something being great, I guess. Yeah. Like the program being great. And just to highlight, just to go back like mimeograph is uh, we use our Ubuntu cards for this activity, but you create a pattern with the cards in one area. You give the deck of cards to the group and they have to recreate that pattern one at a time going to look at the image. You can do that with any cards or any patterns or blocks or whatever you want to do, uh, but you're copying an image. And in the scenario you suggested, it was a professional ice hockey team and a player told me to F off. So yeah, definitely wasn't particularly uh, comfortable for me. Yeah, I think there's probably something to that, like cr pushing the creating challenge. An example, another example, this is what we do in level two trainings. And I always, I remember feeling very uncomfortable about it early on. And now I'm feeling, I feel very comfortable in it. But we, the way that we teach skill, 
with I think of two particular skill sets that I'm trying to teach is experientially. Like I give them a scenario and then they have to use the skills that they have to try to solve the scenario. And I think the easy option, if I wanted to make things easier for myself and for them, is just to give them the answer. But the the challenging hard part is to not give them the answer and let them struggle and deal with them being frustrated either at themselves or at you, or there's an awkward tension sometimes when they're struggling. It would be easier and it would be a greater, in air quotes for me, experience if I just gave it to them because I wouldn't have that stress. But I do think that the group has a greater experience when they struggle. So struggle and greatness, I think, are are almost out of sync when it comes to like, my group is great. Is it because they didn't, they struggled or not? I don't know. Yeah, that comes up in a workshop that we've done called The Struggle is Real. And I'm happy to send to you, Phil, after this recording, like a brainstorm list of like, what are the conditions that sort of that we see as facilitators that make us go, oh, you know what, I'm going to raise up the level of struggle, or I'm going to lower the level of struggle, like sort of like a little bit of a filter. All right. So let's think of alternative questions instead of how is your group, right? What if you came, I was at my desk and you came into the office after, you know, a hot day on the ropes course. And I said something like, Hey, Phil, how do you feel about your design choices today? You'd be like, dude, I don't, that's like, what else could you ask? I think, I think a good question would be, hey, did you have fun today? I don't know if I take this actually seriously or not, but when I co-lead with someone or I'm co-facilitating with someone new and we're designing an agenda, I often say to them, if you're coming up with the activities, every other activity needs to make me laugh. There is some level of truth to it because I do think that contributes to my energy if like there's stuff that makes me laugh. But yeah, I've, I consider fun being separated maybe from the challenge of the group. There is a, there's also a reality, to be honest, like this summer, I, lots of other trainers performed a load of gear retrievals this summer because maybe like the, the participants, you know, made a mistake or they, we weren't set up properly when we got there. And sometimes that was still great. Sometimes it was an irritation. Sometimes though, I climbed at height and it was, I enjoy doing it. Like, and I, I'm not adverse to being at height and doing stuff. And I think where it came non-great is when it interfered with the program or took away from time or it affected my agenda. And the times it was great was like, all right, well, it happened and I got nowhere else to be. So I might as well stick around and do this and get to hang out with some cool people. Totally. I relate to that. There isn't like an ingredient list for this is this is going to make for a great day and this is going to make for a bad day because there's so many other things that go into that context. Oh, it's such a subjective thing because I, yeah, when I used to do outdoor education, there would be someone who would say like, oh, this, my group is awful. And then I've then taken that group for a period of time or I've like, they've brought them to the course and now I'm in charge and, and they're the best group ever. And I'm really struggling to understand why they think it's a bad group. And then I think it's just a personality difference. It's a, it's a style difference. The people that I might consider not great, you might find great. And the people you find great might not. I don't, I think there's some, that's why it's such a subjective notion to even ask, like, how was the group and the, and the great response? I don't, I don't know what a great group is. Right. And I think to go back, you know, and I wasn't there when this participant brought this up, but when it was brought up to me in conversation with Josie, it really, I, I think back to the ingredients of that conversation, it was sort of like, who's defining 
like what good behavior is. And, you know, I think it just gets, it can get really deep around are people meeting the expectations? Are people not speaking over me? All that stuff. And there's a lot of evaluation and judgment in that. I, I'm I'm happy you you brought this up. And I think it's a great moment for people to just pause and, and ask themselves, not only what do I mean when I ask that, but what do I mean when I answer that? And it's okay. Like you said, I'm glad that you're normalizing. It's okay if you're like, I think they liked me. I think they had a good day. But it could also be a different criteria to be like, did we meet the goals? Did people learn something? Phil, before we wrap up, do you want to go back and explain the activity mimeograph? (laughs) That's so funny. I'm making fun of myself. (laughs) In in case you don't cut that part in reference to a previous episode, in which point I was definitely not listening. (laughs) It was so funny when I went back to edit that episode that it was so clear that I'd explained it as well because I I thought that I'd explained it when I when I even in, when we were recording it and it was so funny to listen back to it and hear that I definitely did explain the whole the, the whole description. I know, and I usually I'm usually pretty like present in these conversations, but that was like a blip. I was like a Spider Man blip. I was like brought into a different dimension temporarily. All right. Well, I'll allow you to go to a new dimension as uh, we sign off here. Uh, do you want to say what the, this, these episodes are? Do you want to add Thank your tagline? Thank you for listening to another episode of Myself and Lisa featuring myself and Phil. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>